preaching on prayer, and I mentioned that God really dealt with me, and I didn't realize the series would be as long as it is. This is lesson number nine. We started the first of the year, and we've had a couple of uh, Sundays I taught on, uh, on, we had a guest speaker and such, but a couple of guest speakers, but other than that, I've been teaching on prayer. Last Sunday, of course, you know, we talked about uh, what our response in faith should be to the things the world are, is dealing with, with the coronavirus thing. So we have five points we made about that. And uh, if you weren't here last week, make sure you get that. I've talked about prayer all this time. <coughs> Excuse me, talking about Jesus' prayer life. And, and then how we can get personal and practical with our own prayer life and pray in detail about the things that concern us. We, concern us. We've talked about the why behind prayer. God set up the world to be actually overseen by human beings. Adam and Eve, first, first man and woman, God gave them a measure of his authority to oversee the earth. And, and then they, when they sinned against him, they actually committed treason and gave that God-given authority away to God's arch enemy, Satan. He became what the New Testament terms the God of this age. Uh, and he has a legal right to be here and Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So Satan has a legal right to be here. And he won't be able to be run off because God does things legally and justly until the second coming of Christ where he will be completely dispossessed of his right to be here. Will be cast into what the Bible calls in Revelation 20, the lake of fire. And, uh, and he will... Uh, well, actually, a bottomless pit. Then he'll give, be let loose for another period, a small brief period of time. His eventual end is the lake of fire. And one day, he's going to burn. And so that's the eventual end of Satan. Right now, he's got a right to be here. And if God wants to do things, he set the world up to work through human beings. And that's the, that's the reason all through the Old Testament, he talked to his prophets before he did things. And, and now that it's the church age, Jesus has given us the authority that Adam and Eve gave away. All authority is given to me, go ye. And so we have authority. That's the reason that we need to take responsibility in our own lives for our prayer life. God can't do things unless someone asks him to, somebody said. you got to ask. Why? Because of that structure God placed uh, in effect when he first created this planet. Uh, he created this planet to be ruled through humans. And he goes through the church today, through our prayer life, to do things. So the two billion plus believers all over the earth, some are kept real busy praying for you, praying for stuff, praying for things. And we all need to take responsibility. How many got all that mouthful? Then I started talking about eight. I had seven. I changed it because I was going to try to do two and one and can't. So there's eight different kinds of prayer that I've seen in the Bible. We've talked about the prayer of faith, a prayer primarily for yourself. Uh, and let me say about all the various areas of prayer is that they all uh, are, have different rules that apply to them. And I've given the illustration in the past of sports. You don't play basketball with football rules. You don't play golf with tennis rules or you can't play the game, right? But that's what we've done with prayer. We just kind of said prayer is prayer. And we've forgotten that there are different kinds of prayer for the different kinds of things that you deal with in a fallen world. How many get what I just said? So we have talked about the prayer of faith, a prayer prayed primarily for yourself. When you pray that primarily, you pray at one time, Jesus said, believe you receive what you ask for in prayer and you'll have it. That is, you stand your ground and act and speak as though you have it as much as possible. And he said, if you do that, that's for healing, for finances, for circumstantial changes in your own personal life. That's where you're dealing and praying for you. 
when you do that. That's the different, different rules that apply to that. We talked about the prayer of consecration. All of us should pray that regularly where we lay our will before God and say, God, it's, it's not for me to choose my life. It's for you to show me the way that you want me to go. And we need to constantly resubmit ourselves to Jesus and to God the Father and submit our way to Him and let Him know I'm willing to make any change, do anything, go anywhere, be anything you call me to be, go anywhere you call me to go and do anything you want me to do. How many know we need to pray that regularly? So we covered that. And then last time we talked about the prayer of supplication, which is primarily a prayer for others. I guess you could supplicate or beg a favor for yourself, but generally it's for others. And we talked about it in detail the last time we really talked about prayer and looked at the different kinds of praying. And we mentioned the reason, and, and this is a prayer, and you do it a little bit differently than the prayer of faith, prayer of supplication. You pray it over and over and over. You're praying for that one person. You're praying for them to come to the Lord. You're praying for them to be set free from some thing, thing that is encompassing their life and hindering their walk with God if they're a believer. And you pray, why do you pray over and over and over? Two reasons. Because you have, you have the resistance of the enemy. Satan resists people. Demonic forces try to keep people from doing what God wants them to do and your prayer says nope devil take your hands off of him in Jesus name right and you got to do it regularly because you know he's kind of like you ever seen a oh let me think um, you, you ever seen a, a well, well a, a dog a, a little snippy dog that's his mouth is bigger than his body and you know he's kind of right there at the edge of the yard he's just looking for you to look away because every time he looks at you he gets yapping and then if you say yeah well if you just kind of forget he just keeps coming well, that's like the devil. He just keeps coming. And you've got to say, no, you don't. Leave him alone. Keep your hands off of him. Secondly, uh, we can't pray past the human will. Our prayers go up to someone else's personal will. We can't force and make with our faith someone else do something they don't want to do. But what we can do is our, our faith and prayers and believing can influence them. And so they have the influence of the Father. The influence of Jesus, the influence of the Spirit of God. Isn't that awesome? And then there's the prayer of intercession. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, the prayer of agreement, worship, united praying, and then praying in the Spirit. We'll get to all those. So here we are, uh, the prayer of intercession, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Therefore, I exhort, uh, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings. And all who are in authority. How many know it's Bible to pray for the heads of governments? And so if we're, since you're living in America, pray for, for your president. Uh, I forgot, there's 12, 13 presidents since I've been born. Uh, and, and, and since I've been a believer, I've prayed for every single one, one of them. Whether I voted for them or not is not the issue. <clears throat> Whether I like them is not the issue. How many hear me? There's so much divisiveness today that sometimes believers feel like they don't need to pray. That's, that's the demon spirits telling you to shut your mouth, right? Pray, I don't care who the president is, said here, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? That we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. How many know, you know, you could live in a nation that won't give you freedom to talk, think, and move without somebody up in the upper echelons of government watching your every move and dictating what you think? How many know you don't want to live that way? And so if you don't, we need to pray. So he says that. So he mentions in this uh, supplications, prayers, and then intercessions. And I noticed about this word, in <coughs> you know, the funny thing, I haven't coughed at all until I got up here. 
Guess that shows you the source, huh? <clears throat> when I first came to the Lord, the word intercession. <clears throat> we always called it intercessory prayer. Well, the church is going to have intercessory prayer. Books, uh, people would write books on intercession. But since then, we've come to understand that intercession is a form of prayer. It's not the whole kit and caboodle of prayer. It's a segment of prayer. We need to understand its usage. So today, let me talk to you about uh, six things that I found about intercession. Number one, intercession is taking another person's place. To intercede literally means to take another's hand. You know, uh, to na- take another's place, you grab a hold of God. You grab a hold of the other person, and you're the intermediary standing in the gap, standing in the place of that person before God. In fact, uh, in the notes there uh, from Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, um, the New Testament uh, Greek word there, I've got a Strong's number there. I'm not even going to go over that. I have highlighted in bold, <clears throat> if you see the notes, uh, one thing I want to bear, uh, the point two. And that is the word intercession means a falling in with. Or to light upon a person or thing, to fall in with. So what that's really saying is when you intercede, you actually assume and you actually get in the place another person is. You actually feel what they feel. That's what an intercessor does. He takes another person's place. It's a deeper level of prayer. And what I found is sometimes you start out Sometimes you start out uh, in supplication for someone and you're just praying for them and suddenly you begin to feel what they feel and, 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 and your mind mimics what they're thinking. Your emotions mimic what they're feeling. Sometimes even your physical body can mimic the symptoms in them. In fact, if you've read Smith Wigglesworth's writing, Smith Wigglesworth again was an English evangelist, died in the late 40s. But had a worldwide healing ministry, had 23 people raised from the dead under his ministry, and many people healed. And in his writings, you can read, sometimes he would be praying for someone, and he felt what they felt. If they had tuberculosis, he felt like he had it. If they had cancer, he felt like he had it. If they had this condition or that condition, he felt he actually interceded. He entered into a place where he assumed. He assumed spiritually what they felt, and he took their place. And so an intercessor, again, <clears throat> often they take the place of another in that they actually get in there and, and, and in, in a spiritual way um, uh, go through what a person's going through. I know in 2008, let me give you this illustration, I was in Goma, Congo, <clears throat> and we were going to, uh, to uh, 200,000 displaced Congolese, 50,000 people in uh, four camps that the United Nations had set up for these displaced, beleaguered people. There was war with the, between the Hutus and Tutsis for generations, and, and, uh, and they had been run out of their villages and such, and they were in Goma, and so we went there, and uh, anyway, we set up, and we were preaching there. Make a long story short, uh, there was an outbreak of violence there between the two uh, factions that were fighting uh, between Rwanda and Congo. And they just happened to come into our city. So we are setting up <clears throat> to be able to minister in the camps. To make a long story short, here comes, here comes a whole caravan of army guys. I'm talking, uh, I'm talking jeeps. I'm talking tanks, uh, personnel carriers, um, jeeps carrying uh, huge guns on the back, uh, 50 caliber, all this kind of stuff. Just, just huge armament. And then people running helter-skelter. And they're running. We're going into the city. They're running out of the city. 
and, and everybody's eyes are like saucers. They don't, I mean, they're, you can take, they're scared crazy. We pull off the side of the road, we're in an SUV. And say, well, what in the world? It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It takes us about 30 minutes to get back to our hotel and, uh, you know, to, you know, get ready for the next day when we start ministering. So here they come. I couldn't get anybody to stop. Our driver had stopped on the side. <clears throat> Finally, a pastor that was with us, Congolese pastor, just ran over and just jumped on one of the, uh, on one of the uh, vehicles going by. Said, What's going on? And the guy said, we're running from the enemy. We're running the enemy out of town. We've run them out of town. We're running after them. That was a lie. They didn't even run them out of town. Yeah. And, and they were near our hotel. So uh, bottom line, while we're sitting there figuring out what we're going to do, here's a tank. And I've got a picture. I should have brought a picture of that. Tank. I got a picture of the tank. A tank got out of formation and just, I mean, I didn't know they could turn on the dime, but they did. And he got out of formation. He was coming right from our SUV. I mean, right for it. And, and I mean, it looked like we're about to die. And in fact, it got so close, you could see the shadow of the front of the tank. It's like this. You can see the shadow on the front of the car. And my mind, it's just funny. What's, my mind's thinking, okay, this is what's going to feel to be crushed by metal. That's all I could think. It's like, I'm going to die right now. And y'all, before you can say scat, no kidding. Uh, the tank just pivoted, and it was gone. And we were dumbfounded, completely dumbfounded. And it's a long story. I don't have time to tell the rest of it. But, but during that exact moment, now, we have people praying when I'm on these missions uh, uh, endeavors, and, uh, and we had somebody praying at 9 o'clock in the morning, which uh, correlated to 3, 3.30 that afternoon, and then somebody praying at 9.30, and I wish I remembered somebody, if you're here and it was you, raise your hand, but we had people that were uh, set to pray, and those people, as they were praying, when I got home, when I told that story, they said, well, pastor, let me tell you my side. Huh? 5.30? Okay, I, I forgot. I'm sure I'm wrong and you're right. Nonetheless, they said, while I'm praying, I begin to cry and to weep and travail and intercede. And y'all, that saved my life. Now, whoever that was, thank you. I'll never forget that. You know, so what you don't understand is sometimes the Holy Spirit will put things on your heart and it's intercession. And that intercession saved us. Uh, the missionary I was with, he turned to the back of the, of the vehicle during that time and, uh, and told us, said, well, and there was a businessman sitting beside me. It took us an hour and a half to take a 30-minute ride because they were trying to commandeer our car. And he said, um, he said I'm not going to say this again. He did it for the businessman's sake. He said, you may die today. Just make sure you're right with God now and you don't have to pray before you die. Now, if you've never been in something like that, now that'll, that'll, you'll figure out real quick what's inside you. All right? That, that separates the men from the boys. You know, it just does. So, so I appreciate those. But nonetheless, prayer, prayer does that. Intercession does that. You literally take another person's place. Number two, Jesus is interceding for us right now. now how many know that's the best news you're going to hear today? Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, he stood in the gap for us. He became what we were so we could become what he is. Is that good news? So if you're in a hard place today or you ever get in a hard place and you're feeling like you're alone and by yourself, don't forget that Jesus is praying and interceding for you. And how many know he gets his prayers answered? If you'll cooperate with him, Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he is able also to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to do what? 
Make intercession for them. Jesus is presently standing in the gap for us. I love Hebrews 4.15. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. New Living Translation says this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So Jesus, again, became what we were. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He actually became what we are. That are that's, how many know that's ultimate intercession? Isaiah 53, verse 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed, treated harshly. He never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. 1 Peter 2.24 says it again. (coughs) Excuse me. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin And live for what is right by his wounds are healed. So again, Jesus assumed who we are. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus is the ultimate intercessor. He took our place. And the point I'm trying to get across is when you you enter into intercession, you, you really get in there with the other person. You feel what they feel. Point number three is important. The Holy Spirit... Uh, helps us make intercession. This is not something that you can do by yourself. It's not done apart from the Holy Spirit. He's the one that enables us to get into intercession for another person. We can't force him to do it. Uh, he, has to, he has to do it himself. Romans eight twenty six and 27 is a scripture I mention frequently in our prayer times. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. What are our weaknesses? We do not know what we should pray for as we ought or should, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, those groanings which cannot be uttered, uh, other people bear in articulate speech, meaning your regular kind of speech. This is talking about people who are baptized with the Holy Spirit and have an ability to pray in the Spirit or pray in other tongues, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. How many comes that wonderful experience? When I was, uh, just before I was 18 years old, I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And every day, I take some time and have ever since then. There's a lot of days. I pray in the Spirit every single day. And it says here, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which can't be uttered. Verse 27, he who searches the heart knows what the mind or will of the Spirit is. Because here it is again, he makes intercession for the saints. Isn't that great? According to the will of God. I want, to, I want to talk about one word in this verse. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. That word helps is a big, long compound word, which literally means to take hold together with you against a problem. So, you know, if I had a big grand piano, say I had a big black, don't you like big black grand pianos? And they're really heavy. What if you had one of those up here? And say, well, I want to move it from here. And I want to move it to the other side. If I tried to do that by myself, now I'd probably, I could probably pick a part of it up, but I'd scrape the floor doing so. But if I had three or four good hearty guys, say, I want you to come and one get on each side of this piano. I want you to, one, two, three, let's lift at the same time. How many know if all of us at the same time bent our legs and lifted then we could lift that grand piano and move it over there a whole lot easier than one person could drag it. Yes or no? That's what the Holy Spirit does in intercession. That's how he helps us. And I want to bring this point 
across. Sometimes when you're praying, and, and uh, if, you've, if you've known the Lord for a while, you've had this happen. If you're new in the Lord, you'll have this happen at some point. You'll have this happen at some point in your life. You'll be praying away. You'll pray, be praying about this, that. You know, you could be praying about a circumstance, a situation, uh, you know, whatever, a person, a family, whatever it is. And, and then suddenly while you're praying, you're gripped. <clears throat> and you just feel a compassion. And, and you don't know why, and you begin to weep and cry. I know here we have our prayer meetings, and I've led our prayer meetings for many years. And I don't tell people what I'm doing, but sometimes I'm praying along. And, and sometimes I usually, uh, many times, I walk back and forth up here or somewhere. And, and then I'm praying on a certain theme, and suddenly I get gripped. The Holy Spirit helps, takes hold together with. You can't make him do that. But when he does that, I'm praying through, I'm praying about, in a more intense way, a situation or circumstance close to the heart of God. How many hear me? So you may notice that when you're praying, that there's a heightened sense of awareness that that thing that you're praying about uh, is serious, is important to God. And so sometimes that comes with crying, and sometimes that comes with tears, uh, which leads me to n- point number four. There is an intercession for those without Christ. And this is almost a lost art today, but Isaiah 66, verse 8, who has heard such a thing, who's seen such things, shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, King James Version says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her Children, Zion, if you go, and I'm not going to read the scripture today, but Hebrews 12, Zion in the New Testament is talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the church travails, births happen. Now he's talking there about Israel becoming a nation again, but often the Old Testament prophet was talking about, he didn't even know it at the time, things that were hundreds of years in the making that hadn't come to pass yet. Here he's prophesying about the travail the church goes through before people come to know Jesus and are born again. And there is a travail that comes. And that is that intercession. And uh, sometimes when you pray for someone that's without Christ and you're praying for a family member or a friend or somebody that works for you and you don't, they don't know the Lord and you're praying for their salvation and you're asking God to draw them and you're commanding Satan to take his hands off of their mind and you're asking God to bring labors across the path. Sometimes it just grips you on the inside and you begin to cry and to weep and, and, and literally wail. Now, my wife Susan, she's in the uh, children's ministry today, but she's had four children. I was in the room all four times. And let me say, before she even got in the room, she got gripped with some labor pains. And all the women in here know what I'm talking about, right? And Susan and I chose, she chose, I didn't choose, she did. She didn't have any medication. Yeah. Had babies without it. Yeah, ouch. All I can say is, honey, I see and hear you, but I don't understand because I've never been there. But she travailed. Now, now there's a travail in the spirit for people that come to know the Lord Jesus. So when you're praying for someone, how many know sometimes there is a travail? Let me tell you this. Many times over the years I've been in ministry since 1981, and, all, uh, and since I've been pastor, in particular, I preach on Sunday. Saturday is sometimes one, some of my worst days emotionally, um, mentally, sort of, kind of. It's weird to talk about, but I begin to feel lost. I don't know how many Saturdays of my life I felt lost. 
I felt away from God. I felt like nobody cared. I felt like gloom and doom. I felt hopeless. I felt like I was full of despair. And I always have to remind myself, that ain't me. I'm not having that problem. God was using me to intercede for the people that would hear me the next day. How many hear me? And if you're sensitive to God, God will use you in that way. And, and, and then, you know, when we give altar calls, I've had people that give, gave their lives to Jesus. I'm on the mission field. We've got large crowds of people out in outdoor meetings and such. The days that we have those meetings and we preach and minister salvation, y'all, I mean, we have some, some really strange senses and sensations and feelings, and it's the Holy Spirit making intercession. How many hear me? So when that happens to you, see, here's what people do today. What's wrong with me? I need to go take a pill. No, 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 Pray. You don't need to take something. You need to go pray. Get off by yourself and pray. I had some of these things happen a few weeks ago at night. I was just encumbered for our nation, and it's just before all this corona thing happened. And maybe I was praying about all of that. I don't know. But I felt like I was assuming something that wasn't mine. So there's a sense of heaviness sometimes when you're praying for people, and sometimes that's intercession. Charles Finney uh, had a, a man by the name of Father. They called him uh, uh, Father Nash. You can read Charles Finney's uh, biographies about his life and those that wrote about his life uh, several hundred years ago as he ministered in the northeastern United States. He would go from city to city, but he would send Father Nash ahead of him. Father Nash was a praying man. He, he, uh, people who pray a lot talk little. And so he would go ahead of uh, <coughs> Finney several weeks ahead. He'd check into a hotel, and he would just stay in the hotel, hardly eat anything, just enough to barely get by, but he'd spend all of his time in his hotel room. And when uh, uh, Charles Finney would come, then the proprietor of the hotel many times would come up and say, Mr. Finney, do you know this person that checked in? He said he knew you, and you'd be here after a while, and here you are. Well, now he's been in his room, but we got some strange noises coming out that room. You can read this in his writings. Some of the proprietors were so concerned, they got a key peeped open. They, they opened the door a little bit, looked in. He's on the floor, and he's crying, and he's wailing. And they thought, well, something's wrong with him. He's in mental anguish. And Mr. Finney would tell them when he got there, he said, no, no, he's just crying out for the lost, for those who are without Christ, those that are doomed to hell. Those that are going to the lake of fire. And he said, Mr. Finney said, and you can read this in, his, in writings about his life, that when he went to those areas when, when uh, Father Nash had prayed, when he gave altar calls, hundreds would make Jesus Lord and revival would break out. I've had many such stories and many writings I have about many people in the body of Christ, really in different parts of the world, particularly yesteryear where there's been major moves of God. It's not been without labor and travail spiritually, intercession. How many hear me? Then number five, there's also intercession for new Christians, Galatians 4:19, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again. Now, why did he say that? He, he labored in birth for them to come to Jesus. He prayed for them. He interceded, took, stood in the gap for them. He said, but I do it again until Christ be formed in you. Now, that word formed, that, the Greek word there literally means to take what's on the inside and let it be seen on the outside. How many know we have to grow up in Jesus? What we often do is we criticize people who have 
just come to Jesus or maybe people who have known Jesus for a period of time, but they still got this problem, it's apparent they struggle with this, it's apparent they struggle with that, and they just have struggles. And instead of praying for them, we criticize them and look down our nose at them. We ought to be interceding for them, travailing for them. Paul said, my little children whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And God wants us, perhaps instead of, of bellyaching and, you know, criticizing and, and gossiping about someone, how about we hit our knees and maybe God would use us to intercede. Susan us is years ago, and I'll never forget, has a really good friend. This guy was a little strange to me. He was from California. He had never seen snow, and the first time it snowed in Oklahoma at Bible school, I mean, he was at the window going, he was just looking at the snow. He'd never seen. He went outside, got it in his hand, snow. But, but, you know, he was just a crass guy. You know, he was just, you know, he was definitely unsanctified. I mean, he just didn't, you know, he was just not where everybody else was, not the average believer. But I just kind of took a liking to him because he was honest to a fault. And uh, anyway, he came to Jesus, went to Bible school, felt the call of God on his life, and, and really uh, cleaned his life up to a great degree. Nonetheless, Susan and I, after we had graduated from school, we were... <clears throat> at one of the shopping places in, um, in Tulsa. It was an outdoor shopping mall. And he just happened to be on the street outside. And when I saw him, his name was Steve. I said, well, Steve, there you are. Look at you. I haven't seen you in a long time. And we had been gradu- graduated from school for a while. And we had at one time been good friends. Said, well, how you doing? Well, he had a cigarette in his hand. I, he said, well, I'm doing fine. And blew smoke right in my face. I said, well, God bless you. I don't smoke. Don't do that. <clears throat> And then he began to use some, some uh, four-letter words that I don't recommend believers use and said all kinds of things about what he was doing and not doing and how life was and this and that. And I, I recognized he had fallen away from God and he got disillusioned with the Lord and with himself, really. How many know when you, when you mess up, the, first, the, the last person you forgives you? And I think that's where Steve was. And so my heart just kind of went out to him and... You know, I talked to him a little bit and said, well, Steve, I'll be praying for you, man. It's really, really good to see. I didn't criticize him or condemn him for what he did. It does very little good when you see somebody that they, they, you know they're doing and they know they're doing something they shouldn't do. You know, it does little to no good to criticize them because they've got to have some self-revelation themselves. They've got, to, they've got to want themselves to change or they'll never change. And all you're doing is adding insult to injury to, to do it otherwise. So I just said, well, I love you, bro, man. It's good to see you. So good to see you. Well, I went my way, and then I had a habit during that time, era of time. I would get up early in the morning, go to church, and get off by myself and pray before the day started very early in the morning. So one early morning prayer time. It's a few days after uh, I had met this guy on the, there at the shopping center, and, and he had blown the smoke in my face that I was praying about different things. And he came to my mind, and I you know, I remember him seeing, seeing him blow the smoke. Him, I remember how it felt. And what I, I was upset, it upset me, and it, it made me grieve for him. But in a moment of time, y'all, and I mean, just just like that, I was thinking about him. I said, "Well, Lord," and I named his name. So, Lord, I pray for him. And Lord, your desire is that he come back to you. You know, James James four five says the Spirit. One translation says, "Who took up his abode in us?" Watch this. Yearns jealously over us. How many know the Holy Spirit's a jealous lover? You know, if, I, if, if Susan saw me with somebody else, it would break her heart, and mine would break if I saw her with somebody. It would break my heart. And that's how the Holy Spirit feels when I give myself back to what I got set free from. Right? And so that morning, I was, he came to my mind. And y'all, I was on my knees at the moment. And I'll never forget, I began to weep and cry. I said, oh, God. And I felt, I felt lonely. I felt ashamed. 
I felt afraid. I felt hopeless. I felt bound. I felt like I'm on, my, I'm on the wrong road. And I can't get off the road. And, and, and the moment that happened to me, I knew, well, that ain't me. I'm okay. I, I, I haven't been doing anything that I know is just awful wrong. But I recognized I'm taking his place. And God laid on my spirit and on my mind the burden of my friend. And y'all, I wept and prayed, and I wept and prayed, and I wept and prayed. I don't know how long. See, when that comes on you, you just keep it going until you feel light and it lifts. Well, I don't know how long I did that. It was a few minutes. might have been 10 minutes. I don't know, but I cried. I had to go get a Kleenex. I cried, wept. I said, God, oh, help. Help my friend. Help my friend. I just called out, help my friend. Help him not to go to hell. Help him not to, help him not to fall away completely. And y'all, no kidding. I got up from that moment, and uh, a few weeks later, I got a call from my friend. He had moved to another state, and, uh, and he said, well, I, I just want you to know since I met you that day at the mall there, and uh, I believe the cigarette smoke in your face, he said, I've come back to Jesus. See, I've just recently moved to another city. I'm walking with God. I'm in a church. Thank you for talking to me. Isn't that awesome? Now, you just have that happen to you one time. Y'all, it'll change how you think about people that in your minds aren't living right. How many hear me? Instead of criticizing, say, God, use me to be the one that stands in the gap. Lastly, as we close today, everybody good? There's an intercession for nations. And y'all, our nation desperately needs intercession. And uh, I'm just going to talk about some of these. I don't have time to go through them. They're in the notes there, Genesis 18. The cry of Sodom went up to God. The angels came down to find out what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know the story of what happened there. The angels, uh, the, the men of Sodom wanted to take the, uh, the, the angels that came to see how things were going and actually rape them. And, uh, and uh, a lot had to keep that from happening. And uh, so bottom line was... Uh, God said to Abraham, Will I hide from my blood covenant friend that which I'm doing? And Abraham literally stood in the gap for Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Lord, if, I, if you find 50 righteous, will you destroy? So Abraham began to bargain with God, and he was literally interceding. Sometimes you intercede, and you say, God, will you do this? God, will you do that? So Abraham kept coming back to God for Sodom and said, God, if you find 50 righteous people, will you spare judgment? God said, I will for 50. How about 45, 40, 30, 20, 10? God said, for the sake of 10, just because you ask, I'll spare. I wonder what would have happened if God said, because they were, that there was a lot in his family, they, they, find they were less than 10, but what if it said five? I think God may would have done it for five. But see, the issue is that God used Abraham to intercede for that nation before judgment came. And God will use believers in a, in a nation to intercede, to stand in the gap for that nation. I was reminded of Moses in Exodus 32. who was on top of Mount Sinai. He was getting the law and the, all of that stuff and had the Ten Commandments in his hand. He came down. They were worshiping a golden calf. You know the story. And so here it is, Exodus 32, 30. Next day, Moses said to the people, you've committed a terrible sin. I'll go back to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. He returned to the Lord, said, oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They've made gods of gold for themselves, but now if you'll only forgive their sin. If not, now this is true intercession, erase my name from your book. Now, I, you know, wow. 
God let judgment fall on me and not them. Now that's a heart, would you say? God judged me for their sin. Let them go free. Let their judgment fall on me. That is true selfless intercession. I don't know very many people like that. I, I can't tell you I'm there. I want to be. But that man had a heart. How many hear me? Then lastly, the last illustration is in the notes there is Daniel chapter 9. Daniel interceded for, for wayward Israel. You know, Jeremiah the prophet. He had read through Jeremiah the prophet that if the Israelites didn't obey God, Israel and Judah didn't obey God, that they would be removed from their land for 70 years. And during Daniel's day, that happened in Daniel 9, 1 through 19. I don't have time to read it right now. But he interceded for his country. And you know what he did? He assumed the sins of his country. And he said, Lord, we have sinned. And he talked about the sins of his country. In fact, some of the verbiage. He turned to God in prayer and fasting. And I say he stood in the gap and he stood for his country. And he said, Lord, you're a great and awesome God. This is verse 4. You always fulfill your covenant, keep your promises, but he owned the sins of his people, verse 5. But we've sinned and done wrong. We've rebelled against you. We've scorned your commands and regulations. We've refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors. Lord, you are right. But you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and Israel, scattered far and near wherever you've driven us because of our disloyalty to you. Oh, Lord, we, <clears throat> we and, our, as, and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we, see, he included himself, we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful, forgiving, even though we've rebelled against him. We've not obeyed the Lord our God, for we've not followed his instructions. And he went on and on and on and on. And, and he literally put himself in there. He didn't have an arrogant attitude saying, God, these people are just mean and awful. Look what they have done. He said, we. Not, not them, we. And how many know when you intercede, you take the them out and you include yourself? How many hear me? And y'all, if anything's ever going to happen again in America, and if God is going to cleanse and heal and forgive this land as we prayed earlier. Somebody's got to stand in the gap and say, God, we're sorry. Forgive us for taking your word out of our school system, out of the public arena. Forgive us for doing and making our own laws and rules that have nothing to do for, with you. Forgive us for thumbing our noses to you. Forgive us for the 63 million abortions that have happened since 1973. Forgive us for allowing your name and your word to, to only be a slang word used by our young people. Forgive us for shutting the book closed and allowing them to learn and hear things that never should be heard and, and learned by human beings about human behaviors that are wrong. How many hear me? We need to do it. So, y'all, it's time for intercession to take its place. I want to encourage you, you know, as you develop your prayer life, intercession can be a real amazing thing. You can't make it happen, but there will be times that when you're overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, He'll come on you for an individual, sometimes for a family, sometimes it's for a marriage, sometimes it's for a boss, sometimes God will even have you pray for a company. Because that company's demise means a lot of people get hurt. How many hear me? And then I've had God have me pray for nations. I've been praying for our nation. <laughs>